0: Welcome to TCCL Tidbits, episode number three. Today's topic of discussion is the Alfred plea. This type of plea deal has come up in quite a few true crime cases. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the Alfred plea, let me start by explaining its origins. The Alfred plea is the result of a U.S. Supreme Court case, North Carolina versus Alfred, which was handed down in one thousand, nine hundred and seventy. Henry Alfred was charged with first-degree murder in one thousand, nine hundred and sixty-three. Alfred's attorneys, after interviewing various witnesses and weighing Alfred's criminal history, felt that a jury was likely to convict Mr. Alfred. Alfred expressed his innocence, but his attorney recommended that he plead guilty to second degree murder, a lesser charge, without the death penalty attached. Alfred eventually pled guilty to the second degree murder charge, but maintained his innocence. He told the judge he was only pleading guilty to avoid the death penalty associated with a first-degree murder conviction. Alfred was sentenced to 30 years in prison, the maximum sentence for a second-degree murder conviction. On appeal, Alfred argued his constitutional rights were violated because he was coerced to offer his plea for fear of being convicted of the higher charge of first-degree murder. The appeals court agreed with Alfred and said that this plea was involuntary because it was motivated by fear of the death sentence. They then vacated Alfred's guilty plea. The Supreme Court reviewed Alfred's case and determined a judge is allowed to accept any plea a defendant chooses to enter as long as three things are present. First, quote, the defendant is competently represented by counsel. Two, the plea is intelligently chosen and three, the record before the judge contained strong evidence of actual guilt, end quote. In Alfred's case, the court said the record was strongly indicative of guilt, such that it made sense that he would plead guilty to a lesser offense to avoid the harsher punishment of the death penalty. So, in more simple terms, when a defendant enters an Alfred plea— He or she is acknowledging that the evidence the prosecution has in its possession would more likely than not persuade a jury or a judge that the defendant is guilty of the crime beyond a reasonable doubt. Alfred pleas are definitely controversial. In the state courts of Indiana, Michigan, and New Jersey, Alfred pleas are prohibited from being used. One of the reasons an Alford plea can be controversial is because in the eyes of the law, those who enter an Alford plea are still convicted of the crime. So if these people were wrongfully convicted and later exonerated, they can't sue for wrongful imprisonment later on due to the Alford plea. The plea works to negate a claim of innocence, even if the person was actually innocent. Hopefully some famous true crime cases will illustrate the Alford plea in action. Both cases I'm going to cover in our Tidbits episode are well known in the true crime community thanks to Dateline and Netflix. On December 9th, 2001, Michael Peterson called 911 after finding his wife Kathleen unconscious at the bottom of the stairs in their home. Peterson told police he was outside near the pool and when he went back inside the house, there was Kathleen. Peterson assumed Kathleen had fallen down the stairs due to being drunk and high on Valium. These are Peterson's words, not mine. An autopsy was performed and revealed severe blunt force trauma and lacerations to the head, as well as a fracture of the thyroid neck cartilage. These injuries caused Kathleen to bleed out in approximately 90 to 120 minutes after the injuries were sustained. Peterson was the only person around at the time of Kathleen's death. Peterson was charged with Kathleen's murder and pled not guilty. The prosecution offered the classic motive of a life insurance payout to the tune of $1.5 million. I'm not going to go into all the details of Peterson's first trial, but if you want more in-depth coverage of this case, I definitely recommend checking out the Staircase documentary on Netflix as well as the prosecutor's podcast four part episode series on Michael Peterson. On October 10th, 2003, The jury finds Peterson guilty of Kathleen's murder and sentences him to life in prison. His attorneys exhausted all the appeals, and in November 2008, they filed a motion for a new trial. This motion was denied in March of 2009. Peterson caught a break and was granted a retrial hearing in August 2010. A judge eventually ordered a new trial because one of the investigators who testified at the first trial gave, quote, materially misleading and deliberately false, end quote, testimony about bloodstain evidence. The judge said any evidence collected by this investigator would likely be ruled inadmissible at trial. Peterson was released in December 2011 on $300,000 bail, and he was placed on house arrest. A new trial was set to begin in May 2017, but Peterson decided to enter an Alfred plea. His Alfred plea was for voluntary manslaughter, and Peterson was sentenced to a maximum of 86 months with credit for time served. Because Peterson had already served almost 99 months, he faced no additional prison time. So, in effect, there was no reason for Peterson not to enter an Alfred plea. He would face no additional prison time, he could still maintain his innocence, and he would avoid a harsher penalty if he were convicted in a second trial. If you're interested in a more in-depth take on Michael Peterson's case, please check out our sources in the show notes. The other case I want to discuss that involves the Alfred plea is the case of Pam Hupp. I'm only going to provide a 10,000-foot view of Pam's story. If you want a more comprehensive coverage of the case, I recommend Dateline's podcast, The Thing About Pam, hosted by Keith Morrison. We're going to begin Pam's story in 2010 when her co-worker, Betsy Faria, was diagnosed with cancer. Fast forward to December 27, 2011. Pam drops Betsy off at her house after a chemotherapy session. Pam was the last person to see Betsy alive. Later that night, Betsy's husband, Russ, came home to find Betsy dead. Despite 55 stab wounds and the murder weapon, a kitchen knife, being lodged in her neck, When Russ called 911, he told the dispatcher that Betsy had committed suicide. Pam told police that Russ had a temper and he had threatened Betsy. Russ was given a polygraph, and he failed. He was arrested the next day, and he was charged with the first-degree murder of his wife, Betsy. The trial judge didn't allow Russ's defense team to present any evidence arguing that Pam Hupp was an alternative suspect. See, right before Betsy's death, Betsy changed her life insurance policy beneficiary to Pam Hupp, her $150,000 life insurance policy. Pam claimed that Betsy wanted her to take the proceeds and put them into a trust for Betsy's daughters. Obviously, this sounds a little ridiculous and may or may not be true, but either way, Russ was convicted of murdering Betsy and he was sentenced to life in prison plus an additional 30 years. There are a lot of other crazy details I don't have time to get into, but Russ was granted a new trial in June 2015. His conviction was then overturned in November 2015. Fast forward again to August 16th, 2016. Louis Skumpenberger was shot five times by Pam Hupp in her home. A note found with his body read, quote, Kidnap Hupp, get Russ's money from Hupp at her bank, and kill Hupp. Take Hup back to house and get rid of her. Make it look like Russ's wife. Make sure knife sticking out of neck. End quote. Pam claimed that Lewis tried to attack her with a knife, but investigators found money in Lewis's pocket that matched sequential serial numbers of money found in Pam's dresser, and cell phone records proved that the two were in communication prior to August 16th, even though Pam claimed that she'd never met Lewis. Investigators believed Lewis was lured by Pam as part of an elaborate plot to frame Russ Faria for an attack on Pam Hupp. On June 19, 2019, Pam Hupp entered an Alford plea to the charges of first-degree murder and armed criminal action. As a condition of Pam's Alford plea, she didn't face the death penalty. Instead, she was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Betsy's case was reopened in 2019 after Pam entered her Alfred plea. Pam never transferred Betsy's life insurance proceeds into a trust for Betsy's daughters. Pam has never been charged with any crime related to Betsy's case. For more information on Betsy's case and the story of Pam Hupp, check out our sources in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this Tidbits episode and stay tuned for the next one.